0: This is Women of Grace Live, discussing issues important to your life and faith, spiritual insight, practical wisdom. Join us as we transform the world one woman at a time. Women of Grace, for such a time as this. Now, here's your host... Johnette Williams.
1: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Women of Grace Live. I am Johnette Williams. I am so happy to be with you today. I certainly am. You know what brings me great joy? Beginning the weekday weeks with you. I just love it. And then, you know what? On Friday, oh my goodness, the time that we've spent together carries me through the weekend, and then we're back together again on Monday morning. Oh, what a pleasure and blessing it is to work in the vineyard of the Lord, for all of us to come together in His holy name, to be lifted up up by each other, edified by each other in this mystical body and to fight that good fight, right? I hope you are fighting that good fight, whatever that fight might be for you at this present moment. I hope that you are fighting the good fight. We fight that good fight through the theological virtues. Did you know that? Through the theological virtues of faith, Hope and love, and that love, you know, that charity, that love, uh, you know, what the way that I envision that it's not by my capacity to love. My capacity to love is very limited. Uh, not only is it limited, it's imperfect. What what scathed it? Well, you know, all of my own personal imperfections. You know, no, we want to love. We want we want the love of God to fill us and to love through the love of God. So when we say faith. Hope and love its love of God, you know, love of God. We want that love of God to take up residence within us, to be this reservoir, a divine life through which we can love others even beyond our own capacity to love. And God does that. He truly, truly does it. He will work wonders in your soul. He will work wonders in your life if you are open to receiving his love. To make that holy exchange with him, I offer you my imperfect love for the perfection of love, who is you. He loves a prayer like that because all he really wants is our weakness. All he wants is our imperfection. In the end, that's all we have to give him because anything that is good in us, anything that is anywhere near perfection in us, any of that. Is Him in us already? So, knowing that He's in us, oh my goodness, that opens up realms of possibility for the way in which we can enter into that divine and holy enterprise that we call life in Christ. Oh my goodness. Well, anyway, just some things to think about today. Isn't it wonderful uh, how God shows up? You know, isn't it wonderful the way in which He is constantly uh, giving us food? Nourishment, obviously, most importantly, through his body, blood, soul, and divinity that we receive by way of Holy Eucharist, through the word of God that comes to us through sacred scripture, uh, through all of the sacraments of the faith, uh, through the, the, the holy endeavors, our pious actions and all of that stuff. But, you know, in ever so many other ways as well, he is always drawing us to him. He is always helping us for, uh, to live that, that beautiful life in him. Well, enough of that right now, although you can never get enough of it because I- it is spiritual nourishment, right? It helps us to grow in the way in which we're being called to grow. Anyway, all of that, I want to share with you some ways that we can help you too. Uh, we've got all kinds of good things going on at Women of Grace, and I'm certainly hoping that you'll get out to our website, womenofgrace.com. Tomorrow evening, we are going to have an online webinar with Father Chris Alar, Dive Into the Divine Mercy Image, a Deep Exploration. What a beautiful opportunity this is for us in this Lenten season to enter more deeply into the heart that was pierced for our sake, from which gushed forth all of the graces of heaven, the Holy Church being born through His side. I mean, there is just so much available to us through this beautiful, beautiful holy devotion. And Father, Chris Alar is going to take us deeply into an exploration of the image itself. As I've been telling you, uh, you know, we we understand to some extent. We understand uh, what that that uh, symbolic representation is in that image, right? We understand the spiritual truths that are being communicated to us to some extent. We understand the theological lessons that we can learn through it to some extent. But Father is going to take us to a greater extent, and He is going to be uh, showing us, revealing to us, uh, helping us to enter into uh, some of what that beautiful image uh, presents to us that we're unaware of, perhaps never having thought of it before. And I can tell you, it will open up vistas, 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 new points of height, from which we can see the beauty and the splendor of God's love for us. It's going to take us to new vistas uh, as we go through this exploration together tomorrow evening. So I'm hoping you're planning to join us. You can still sign up because this is online. So we can, heaven's sakes, hundreds of you, thousands of you can join us. Well, not quite thousands, but a whole bunch of people can join us. So uh, we want you to come. Uh, A beautiful, beautiful way, as I say, to uh, enter more deeply into the great sacrifice that is ours by way of the passion, death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ during this holy Lenten Season, We want to make use of every opportunity available to us to grow in grace and to grow in union with God and to enter into the heart of this sacrificial time uh, that will lead us to the fullness of resurrection day which is Easter Sunday. So do join us, get out there, read about it. You can sign up right online. That's the best way to do it. Uh, If you have a question, though, you can call us at Women of Grace. That's 800-558-5452. But we're inviting you to join us. now On March the 4th, uh, we begin our Seasons of the Soul book study. Perfect book to be diving into. Another dive. Perfect book to dive into Uh, during this holy season of Lent, and it's one of three in a series that we're going to be presenting to you. I think that uh, it's going to be uh, very exciting for you. These are all small books. Uh, we're linking them together because uh, they they really do walk us from uh, from uh, the journey to Lent through the Easter season into the month of our Blessed Mother, and then to Pentecost. So it, it's just going to be beautiful. Sue Brinkman leading it. You know, Sue does a great job. Uh, you can sign up for that right online there again at WomenOfGrace.com. The kick-off webinar was uh, just last week, I believe it was, uh, with Father Jordi Rivero. And this book is written by Blessed Conchita. It's beautiful. The Seasons of the Soul, what she's doing is likening the seasons of the year to the spiritual life and growth in the spiritual life. Again, this is our opportunity, our opportunity to take good advantage, make good advantage of this holy season of Lent. Uh, On March 16th in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, our regional coordinator, uh, Chris Arnold, is hosting a beautiful Saturday at the Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church in Harrisburg. It is a Lenten Morning of Grace. Our own Sue Brinkman is going to be presenting there in Harrisburg. Get on out there, take a look at that, and it gives you information on how you can register for that lovely event. And as I say, we are always about something because our goal is one goal and one goal only, and that is to transform the world one woman at a time. But gentlemen, I want you to know that for many of our events, for for example Uh, The webinars and the book studies and things like that, you are welcome to join us as well. So get on out there and sign up. As I always say, real men watch and listen to Women of Grace. And I want to tell you, real men also participate in some of our Women of Grace events. All of that being said, there's more on the other side of the break. I haven't even given you the numbers to call in today because, woohoo, I'm just so excited to be with you. Let me give you that number 833 288 EWTN. It's toll free for you right here in North America. 833-288-3986. Matthew Gabinski is waiting to hear from you, and so am I. So get on out there and give us a call. I'm going to ring my bell for you if you're a first-time submitter. Also available at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel Facebook page, First-Time Submitter. woohoo! Ringing the bell. Submitters, callers, first timers, let us know so we can ring that bell for you. Always welcoming back our repeat callers as well. You know that. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about today right here on Women of Grace Live. Coming right back. Stay with us.
0: The Women of Grace phone lines are open 1 833 288 EWTN, 1 833 288 3986.
1: Well, welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Women of Grace Live. I am Johnette Williams. I'm very happy to be with you today. Oh, my goodness. I love to spend time with you. You know that, but I love to hear from you, too. Let's get Matthew Gubensky really busy today. Let's, like, enter into a little coup. And the little coup we'll enter into is Matthew Gubensky Keep Busy Day. All right? You can keep him busy. You're the only one that can do that. I cannot do it. I can cheer you on, but I can't do it. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288. 288 3986 is the way that you can join us today. I want to keep Matthew McCall, uh, Matthew Kabinsky busy, yes, but Michael McCall busy too. The two M's, M and M, Matthew and Michael. Uh, we want to keep Michael busy today too, and you can do that by leaving comments or questions or insights, inspirations, or words of encouragement for us right out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. If you're a first time caller, first time submitter, do let us know. I'll ring my bell for you. I uh, am eager to take your call and or your comment today. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about today. I am always happy to talk about um, a variety of things. You know, I always love to talk about uh, the spiritual life and, and our growth in faith. I love to talk about our Blessed Mother. I love to talk about what's going on in your life, and I love to pray with you. So there's all kinds of good ways in which we can join each other today for great the great benefit of building each other up in the mystical body of Christ. 833-288-EWTN. That's eight three three two eight eight three nine eight six. 3986 Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to ask Rich Jesse, our producer, manning those controls today, to get a call up from a, the listener comment line. And that'll prime the pump and get you to call too. Here we go. Judy, Olympia, Washington. Can
2: a woman who has had an abortion and a
1: divorce come back to the Catholic Church? Or are they excommunicated, as it says on Google? Thank you. Oh, well, dear Judy, uh, what a beautiful question you're asking today because this is a daughter simply seeking to come home to her mother. And your mother is Holy Mother Church. The arms of Holy Mother Church are always open to you. Always open to you. And the way in which you can come back to the church and be in full communion with the church is to receive the Sacrament of Reconciliation for the transgressions that you have committed. The Sacrament of Reconciliation is a healing sacrament. And for women who are post-abortive, oftentimes their greater healing begins by way of the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And so, dear Judy, I want you to know that the arms of Holy Mother Church are open wide to receive you and to take you back. She opens that door for you, and that door is the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Simply go to a parish near you. If you've been attending a parish, uh, go to that parish. You might even want to set up an appointment with a priest to have a little bit of a longer opportunity to speak with him. But if not, go there and simply confess and tell him that you had an abortion. I know that his fatherly heart will simply welcome you into it too. And he will help for you to sort through that sad and devastating situation. So I want to encourage you to make use of the opportunity. As far as excommunication goes, when we are in grave sin, when we've committed a serious sin, we have, in a sense, ipso facto, uh, removed ourselves from the communion of the church because we have removed ourselves from communion with God. And his church, of course, participates in that one communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the fact of the matter is there's not a formal excommunication that comes from Rome, but it's an excommunication by choice of Of mortal sin that can be healed that breach can be healed and i've shared with you the means by which it is healed it is through receiving the sacrament of reconciliation and true contrition for our sin a true acknowledgement of the offense that we've caused god the offense that we've caused the church by way of sinning because we all experience to greater or lesser extent the sins of each other you know, St. Paul talks about that in Corinthians, he talks about the, 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 the body, you know, if one part of the body hurts, the rest of the body hurts. If one part of the body is dying or has died through mortal sin, spiritual life gone by way of mortal sin, the entirety of the body experiences that. So that being said, this is the means for you to come back. The divorce. Well, you know, divorce in and of itself um, is very serious Uh, on so very many levels, right? And one of the levels that it's serious with regard to is our relationship with God and our relationship with fellow man. Divorce happens. The church does not recognize divorce. The church does permit separation under serious circumstances. But Holy Mother Church believes that when we've entered into a covenantal relationship, that relationship can't be broken. We can walk away from it. But the covenant still exists and we're still bound to the covenant, whether we are living out the reality of that covenant or not. The church will look at what was taking place at the time of the marriage to see if there was an impediment there, an impediment of consent, uh, an impediment of capacity, an impediment of canonical form. She will examine, but that is only what happened at the moment the marriage was entered into not what happened subsequent to the marriage. And if she finds an impediment there, then a decree of nullity can be issued, which means that there never was a covenantal relationship. There might have been a civil, civil marriage, civil recognized union of a man and a woman, but it wasn't a covenantal relationship. It wasn't the fullness of what the sacrament of matrimony is meant to be. And so therefore that nullity... Uh, is is intact. However, if there is no uh, grounds for a decree of nullity, then the marriage remains intact. If you have not remarried, then this is a very simple solution to resolve. Because though there was a divorce, and it's an injurious reality, the fact of the matter is you haven't remarried, so you're not living in an adulterous situation. So that doesn't stand in the way of anything. If you have remarried, it's trickier. Uh, and without a decree of nullity, assuming that there is no grounds for that, then there are other provisions that have to be made in that union with a person, that civil union with that person that you're currently married to. Um So that being said, um, the best advice I can give you first sacrament of reconciliation to sort all of this out with a priest, sort it out with a priest. And I can tell you there will be a freedom that you will experience interiorly. And I am hoping that that freedom is one that leads you into an ever deepening relationship with the one who loves you unto death. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. eight three three two eight eight ewtn That's 833-288-3986. That's the way that you can join us on this Monday in the Lord right here on Women of Grace Live. I am ready for you to call. So is Matthew Gabensky. Also available for you out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Use the chat feature there. Ma- uh, Michael McCall will dash on out there and retrieve it. If you're a first-timer... I will ring my bell to welcome you. I love to ring that bell. You know that very much. So please do give us a call here. Let's take another call there, Rich, and see who's waiting in the wings there for us by uh, comment line.
0: Sorry, I forgot to leave my name. My name is Stephen. I'm from Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I wanted to ask if my daughter's grandparents have left the faith, or godparents, I should say, have left the faith, We have to find new godparents if they're not practicing Catholics. Thank you.
1: Well, Stephen, thank you very much. What an interesting question you asked today uh, Godparents, I do believe uh, you know incorporated uh, into the life of the child in a very special way uh, through the sacrament of baptism uh, remain Godparents. Uh, the fact that they 've left the church is regrettable, and of course their their capacity as Godparents is to make certain that the child is raised in the faith, especially if the parents are unable to see that through. For any reason, such as death, which would be the greatest reason, but uh, also for uh, disabilities in life that can occur either mentally or physically, and and uh, in some way curtail their capacity uh, to be the parents that are ushering that little soul. Uh, to the heavenly realities, which is the job of every parent, you know, I don't know. Parents today sometimes think, well, gee, you know, my job is to get my kid into the best schools and the best education and into a good career field and to help them make a lot of money. Well, that is not the call of a parent. That is not the call of a parent. It's something a parent can hope for and initiate. But the primary purpose of the parent is to usher that little soul unto life eternal the primary purpose of a parent is to get that kid to heaven. Uh, that doesn't mean the children always cooperate. You know, that's the case. But the fact of the matter is, in those moments when they're not cooperating, we support them with our prayer. We have masses uh, said for them. We do our very best. Uh, with regard to the, grand, uh, the uh, godparents here, though, Stephen, it's regrettable they're not practicing the faith anymore. And, and it might be such that you would want to have a conversation with them about it. And perhaps say to them, you know, um, we we selected you as as godparents because we felt that you would be the best individuals to help our child attain eternal life, if something should happen to either one of us in, in a way in which we were not able to perform those that 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 that, that god given duty and responsibility. And here you are, and you're not practicing the faith any longer. And you know, this is. This is part of what you promised that you were going to do. So, you know, I can't tell you to go back to church. I can strongly recommend you go back to church. I can urge you to go back to church. I can pray for you to go back to church and to enter into your faith. But what I do have to ask you to do by way of the uh, honor that we bestowed upon you is to know the faith so that you can present it to our child, to your God child. Uh, It might be a way that opens a door to a new path for them. I don't know, Stephen. But as for replacing a godparent, I've never heard of that. um, And I don't think that that's a real possibility. Uh, And of course, you know, this is until the child reaches his majority. You never stop being a godparent, but the children have to take ownership at some point in time and generally do. So uh, I hope I hope this works out for you, Stephen. An interesting question. Listen, call. If, you, if you've been in a similar situation, give us a call here. Tell us how you resolved it. Might be of great help to Stephen. A three three two eight eight ewtn That's 833 288 Currently, all of our lines are available, and I'm looking for you. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, show up right here on my board. A 288 also available for you out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. You know, one of the things I think that we also forget about, and I don't think that this is the case with Stephen because he's very concerned about the relationship between the godparents that he and his wife chose for Uh, their child, uh, between the the godparents and the child. He's concerned about that relationship. Uh, So I think that he's very aware of it. But what I don't think we often think about is the fact that we are, in selecting godparents, we are entrusting them with a very grave duty. And when we accept to be a godparent, we are obligating ourselves to that very real and serious duty. Uh, so you know, let's be careful. Uh, oftentimes, you know, we, we look at it as only, well, you know, I want I want my best friend, or I want my, uh, you know, my you know my my brother, my sister uh, to stand in to be the godparent. I want you know, uh, I, you know, I, I I want this, I want that, because we want to preserve relationships, we want to preserve friendships and uh, family ties, etc. But we we have to be very selective about who we choose because we are entrusting them with a grave duty and responsibility should we be unable, for any reason, to fulfill that very grave duty and responsibility. Uh, So this is something that I think needs to be clarified. I know back when my children were being baptized, uh, we all had to attend a class. Uh, and, and, And the attempt in that class, of course, was to instill in us the seriousness of what was taking place, both by way of the baptism, as well as by way of the acceptance to be the godparents and our selection of those godparents. So uh, I would really encourage you to read up on it in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Get your children baptized. It seems to be fashionable, even among Catholics today, to say, well, I'm just going to wait until they're old enough. Well, my my golly, you don't want to wait until they select for themselves. The fact of the matter is baptism is an entry into the mystical body of christ it's an entry into the life of faith it removes the stain of original sin and implants within us through the indwelling presence of the holy spirit gifts and charisms and graces that are necessary to lead a godly life those gifts and all of those charisms are strengthened through the sacrament of confirmation Uh, we do our children a disservice a grave disservice not to have them baptized. And the earlier you can baptize them, the better. Back in the day, people would baptize their children very shortly after the child was born. No later than two weeks. Today, I don't know, we wait. We wait. We say, well, you know, so-and-so um, can't arrange to come until this time. Or I want the grandparents to be there, and they can't get there until... I appreciate all that. I I, I mean, I, I think that that's all lovely. But that's not the biggest concern here. The biggest concern is the eternal welfare of that little child. And so we don't want to wait long. We, we, we want to baptize our children as quickly as we can, as quickly as is reasonable after the birth. And besides all of that, here's the fact of the matter. matter people know, you know, we know when babies are going to be born, we, we can get it pretty close, pretty close to the actual delivery date, right? And in some cases, spot on on the date that's been selected because of necessary reasons, right? So the baby's not coming, you know, all of a sudden out of surprise. So people should be aware of that and make the plans ahead of time. Say we want to have the baby baptized two weeks after the baby's birth. This is the time frame. you know, be on standby. I think that's the best way for it to go. 833 ewtn That's 833 3986 Listen, I do want to suggest to you something too. I want to suggest that you let people know uh, that EWTN Radio is available to you via so many different platforms uh, through all of the affiliates that it's not hard to receive EWTN Radio. Spread the good news. In that way, you enter into this great mission of evangelization. You are an evangelizer by way of your invitation and by way of sharing with people how it is that they can receive EWTN. You can do it by the EWTN app. You can go out to Sirius uh, XM station 130. You can go to any other variety of ways, EWTN Radio's YouTube channel, Facebook page. It's there for you. So there's no excuse. Join us, 833-288-EWTN. We're coming right back after the break. Phone lines are finally lighting up. Oh, boy, I'm so glad. <laughs> Give us a call right here. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
0: The Women of Grace phone lines are open. one ewtn one 3986
1: Well, welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Women of Grace Live. I am Johnette Williams. Very happy to be with you today. Eager to hear from you here. eight three three two eight eight ewtn That's 833-288-3986. Give us a call. Also available for you out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Simply use the chat feature. Put your question, comment, insight, inspiration, or word of encouragement in there and we will get it retrieved up on the board, and we'll address it. We have Michael McCall out there in social media land, and Matthew Gubensky on the phones there, Rich Jesse in studio producing. If you're a first-time caller or a first-time submitter, I love to know, because you know what I love to do? I love to ring my bell, and I ring my bell for you uh, to welcome you for your debut, so do give us a call right here. We have Tara with us, and she is in Western Pennsylvania. Good morning to you, Tara. Good morning. I am a first-time caller. Oh, goody gumdrops. Here we go. Is Ringing my bell okay. for you, Tara. <laughs> awesome.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for um, having me on your program. Uh, the, the situation that I'm in is I need some discernment, and I'm not sure if it's my ego that's getting in the way or... Um, or, or or, just what. Uh, so my situation is I had worked for a physician for about 20 years, um, helped develop a program of his department. He retired and I was lucky enough to be able to come over to another physician of the same specialty at a time where the department I was in, um, I was able to bring all of my material, all of my works, all of my passions to this new physician, really help him clean up things, get things to patient safety, patient education. So that was great on that part. Yeah. Um, but the management that was there was ruffled a little bit because um, I was a new person coming in. Um, I had come from a very um, efficiently run office to an office that I tease that they delight in their dysfunction. Um, so a lot of the things that I had brought over, they just weren't very interested in. So I had to kind of step back and step back and just make sure patient safety was addressed, but a lot, some other things kind of got lost by the wayside. So now nine years later, um, never really felt welcomed here. Uh, we're going through a transition where a hospital was purchasing this doctor's office. Mm. So I'm really being squeezed out. Um, the hospital was coming in to review software and how we do our job. And I am in a satellite office because that's closer to where I live. So I'm, I'm in the satellite office four days a week, or three days a week, and in the main office one day. So every all of the transition is going through the main office, and I, I find out little bits and pieces that uh, the administration of the hospital has met with a girl who does the counterpart of what I do, that I taught her how to do things. It's my software, it's my programs, it's my patient education, and... Um, she, they're meeting with her and not me, and they're kind of excluding me from that. So I just need some discernment. Is it my ego that's getting in the way um, and is this just not where I need to be right now? I just I just feel a little lost and overwhelmed and unhappy and just don't know where to go. Just don't know how to how to broach this or what to do next?
1: Well, Tara, uh, it's understandable that you're feeling uh, the way that you're feeling interiorly it's never comfortable to be pushed out of a situation. And oftentimes, you know, when we know that's happening, the question is, how do we respond? Um, I am really pleased, however, that you're asking about it because you're searching for what God might be doing in the midst of this. And he oftentimes uses situations and circumstances um, to work a good that he couldn't work without the circumstances or the situations happening. This has happened to me in my life more than one time. Uh, So I, I well understand though how upsetting it can be because we're not people of, of imagination in terms of uh, paranoia and seeing things that are not there. We can sense when these things are happening. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, but on another level, I would say this too. um, You know, uh, first of all, Obviously, you want to take all of this to prayer and sit with the Lord and just have a conversation mm-hmm. with him, just like we're having right now. You know, Lord, this is what's going on here. You know it. It's bothering me. Help me to sort through. Uh, there's a matter of justice involved here. And so, you know, your your interior um, complaint, you know, that, that you're experiencing uh, in, in the inner recesses of your heart, part of that is coming from this is unjust. And mm-hmm. none of us want to be treated unjustly. Uh, now, it may be that God wants to move you out of this situation because He's got something different in mind for you, something new in mind for you, a different position, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, but there's also the possibility. You know, I'm I'm, I'm teasing between two things here. There's also the possibility mm-hmm. of proprietary rights on that which you have developed, and you know, I don't know if you have done that. You know, in the past, if you've if you've taken those necessary steps to. Um, you know, uh, execute some ownership of your intellectual property or not, it's always a good thing to do that. We live in a real world. God intends for us to function in this real world. So, you know, if that is, is, you know, your material and it is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, legitimately recognized as such, then I think that in fairness to yourself, that needs to be mentioned to the uh, organization or the company that's coming in to take over these offices you know you know, uh, you know uh, now th- the way in which people play these things is also very upsetting so what i would encourage you to do is is to pray for the people that are involved in this just to pray for them because if if there is an intentional um uh effort to um take that which is yours in an intentional effort to to uh, push you out of a position that you were rightfully hired for, then I think that it's necessary to pray for them because of their lack of justice. Uh, We don't want anybody to 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 find themselves in perdition after this life is over. Uh, So uh, it may be that that One of the goods that God wants to work out of this through your own personal suffering in the midst of it is for these people to get the prayer that only you would offer for them because you're the victim, and it's such a dichotomy the way in which the Lord looks at this. It's the victim needs to pray for the perpetrator um, because the victim, in your situation, and and I'm qualifying the type of victim a victim who knows. The good, the true, and the beautiful who knows God is in relationship with God always has, always has the responsibility to lead with the godly action. Um, So I would encourage you uh, on on a practical level um, to secure if you haven't already secured the intellectual property rights to that which you've developed, and I don't know what form it comes in. You're talking about software here. That's something that, that is tangible. I don't know if you've come up with you know, a, a strategy for uh, patient care that, that is written, procedure manual or something of that effect, uh, that you have written and, and developed. Uh, it's rightfully yours. Um, unless you were paid to do it, then that's another matter. If you were paid to do it, it's not necessarily yours. Uh, so, uh, I would, I would secure that, uh, take care of yourself in that way. I would have a conversation, uh, with the powers that be and, uh, just, uh, go in there not with, uh, guns blazing. I would go in there with, with an attitude of heart that is open and receptive and humble. Um, you know, gee, I, I know you're coming in and I, I've been here for nine years and, uh, you know, just like to share with you some of the advances that I've made and organizational uh, uh, matters within the context of, of this current uh, operation. And uh, to let you know that I am here to move forward with you if in fact you want to stay there. But I think that you do have to take a step forward in that way. Uh, but I would be I, I would I would use this opportunity for your own spiritual growth and how it is that you treat these people that are mistreating you. It, it, it requires great dying to self. It does, it does. But Jesus tells us how to do it. And he tells us in scripture, Matthew, he says, pray for your persecutors, pray for them. So that's what you do. You might not have the fullness of heart that you would like to have to pray for them. You might not even really have the best intentions of heart. But if you step forward in obedience to that mandate, God will take care of your heart and he will affect great good out of this, regardless of how it turns out. But I think that it's, there's nothing, um, there's nothing ego centered in striving to present your case in a humble, truthful, and loving way. There's nothing the matter with that.
2: Thank you. I'm writing all this down.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> well, my goodness. Uh, you know, it, it, it's very difficult, Tara. And I, I will tell you something. Um, I will be tucking you into my rosary today. Well, thank you. Thank You're you welcome. very much. I hope this works out. And if this isn't the place where God wants you, remember that he works all things to the good for those who are called according to his purposes. And Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, 11, uh, for I know well the plans I have in mind for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare, not your woe, plans for a future full of hope. Sometimes a door has to shut so that the door that God wants for us can really open. So bear that in mind as you step forward, okay?
2: I will. I'm going to hold on to that. Thank you.
1: You're welcome, Tara. And God bless you. Thank
2: you very much. Mm -hmm. God bless
1: you too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, you know, uh, that is a tough situation that Tara's in. Maybe you've been in a situation like that yourself, and you want to call in and tell her how you handled it or what might be a a good way to proceed. Um, I just know from my own personal experience that as difficult as it is, you pray for those uh, who are uh, mounting an advantage against you, and God eventually, eventually, helps for you to do what we talked about at the beginning of the program, to operate out of his love and to operate out of his mercy. It's him. It's him in you that does that heavy lifting. We just have to show up, right? Uh, We just have to show up. So uh, all of that being said, 833-288-EWTN, that's 833-288-3986. That's the way that you can join us right here on Women of Grace Live, where we love to have that coolly conversation with you. Uh, Tara brings up something else I think that's very interesting, though, and maybe we'll spend a moment talking about this. We often get very confused in these situations because we don't want to act out of um, um, a self-righteousness. And you know what I mean by that out of an arrogance, a proud kind of stance. I deserve better than this. Who are these people? You know, we don't want to act out of that. Uh, Now, if that response to a situation, to a stimulus, if if the response to a stimulus seems inordinate, then we've got to investigate and ask ourselves, you know, what is driving that? Oftentimes it's a wound in the heart that that God is allowing this situation uh, to manifest so that we can look at what the root of our reaction is and be healed from it, right? That's very important to consider. Uh, This is some of the introspection that we should allow ourselves to enter into under the light of the Holy Spirit. Um, You know, Socrates once said something that is very true. The unexamined life is not worth living. So we want to examine our life, meaning that we want to look At what is my motivation? Why is my reaction such as it is? Now, if there is truly an injustice that's taking place, and it sounds like an interior situation, that could well be the case. If there is an injustice, the interior response is is basically a natural response that comes forth. It's called self-preservation, right? Um, But we don't want to overreact even in that very natural response. We don't want to act out of it. We want to act out of rationality. We want to act out of prayer. We want to act out of self-mastery, self-control. And that's what will ultimately lead to the best possible decision. The best possible path forward will always come from that. Now, it's also important to say that There is no virtue in being what we used to call a patsy. There is no virtue in allowing ourselves to be a doormat. There's no virtue in that. We have dignity. We have dignity in the fact that we are created in the image and likeness of God. And so if we can resolve a situation we should strive to resolve it, always realizing that God does work all things to the good and realizing that there is authority over us. So obedience to authority is not what I'm talking about here. Obedience to authority should always be in play. But when we are in a situation and our personal dignity is, is being attacked, it is not sinful to strive to have a conversation about what's going on. I think it is one of the ways in which God would help us to come to terms with the ultimate um, situation that develops in the future. So these things are, they're tricky. They're very, very tricky. But when we're prayerfully considering them, we have the best opportunity, absolutely best opportunity to make a good, honorable, holy, virtuous decision. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. That is the way that you can join us right here on Women of Grace Live. We're going to take uh, another listener comment uh, call, uh, and let's go for it. Rich.
2: Hi, Maria from Missouri, calling about uh, marriage. My husband and I previously divorced from prior marriages, neither in the Catholic Church, but both of us are cradle Catholics. We were not married in the Catholic Church, but we do want to be. How do we proceed to now be married in the Catholic Church? So to clarify, our first marriages were not in the Catholic Church, and our current marriage with each other has not been in the Catholic Church but we would like to be married in the Catholic Church. Thank you.
1: Well, I am so pleased for the holy desire of your heart to rectify the situation. And the good news is this is not a difficult situation to rectify. So what you and and your, uh, your civil husband, civil law husband there, uh, would do would be to present yourself to the pastor at your local parish and explain your situation. If you were Catholics and you were married outside of the Catholic Church, then unless there was a dispensation granted by the bishop, that marriage is not going to be recognized by the church. Uh, So that would be, uh, you know, and and it's not for me to determine that because I don't know all of the ins and the outs of of your situation. Uh, But uh, just on the face of it, uh, that would be... uh, potentially eligible, I'm using qualifying words here, uh, for a decree of nullity according to canonical form because the proper canonical form was not followed. You were not married in the church. You were not married through the sacrament of matrimony. Uh, So those two prior marriages uh, would be uh, invalid if that is the case. Uh, In line with that, the current marriage that you were in is a civil marriage. It's recognized by the state. Uh, by the government, but it's not recognized by the church because you were not married in the church. So once those two uh, marriages, your husband's and yours, uh, to these prior people uh, becomes rectified uh, through the church, then you would be free to marry in the church. So this is uh, not a very difficult one to resolve. Uh, So I would encourage you to follow this holy desire of your heart and present yourself to a priest uh, and chit chat with him about this and see what can be done. Uh, Usually, generally speaking, the decree of nullity that's issued for canonical form is pretty straightforward. You present the marriage certificate, you present the decree of divorce, and generally speaking, it's uh, a very, very Um, quick and fluid process. So that's the good news for you. And I hope you do follow. I hope you do follow through on it. I think that you will experience uh, a greater joy uh, than you thought possible because all of those matrimonial graces now will flood into your union with your spouse. And uh, it will become something very, very special. It will become an image of the Trinitarian life. And I hope that for you. I hope that for you. All right, we're going to get to Ruth. Ruth is there in Easton, Pennsylvania tomorrow, today. How are you doing, Ruth? Good, sun shining. <laughs> Good for that. I'm glad you've got some sunshine going on there. Yeah.
2: Um, my question is, when you're in a dry period and you're trying to do something God's asking you to do, like writing, um, and since you've written books and stuff like that, you know, I kind of feel like the Holy Spirit shows up, but it's just different. Does does
1: that make sense? We, it's an interesting thing, Ruth. You know, I think that sometimes we think that when we're writing about spiritual matters that, uh, you know, we're inspired like the evangelists of old, I'm not really sure what their process was though. (laughs) So that being said, um, for me, you know, writing is, I love to write. I, I absolutely love to write, but I, I work at my writing. Uh, and so, you know, it is, it is, it is oftentimes just a labor of love unto the Lord, uh, because I am sitting there, uh, refusing to get up and just keeping my keys, my fingers on the keys of the keyboard, Uh, you know, and uh, sometimes I just have to go through little exercises of, you know, typing sentences that I know I'm not going to keep, but just to get my mind moving. Also too, I have found this as a writer that, uh, you know, we operate, you know, there's, you know, our brains have two halves, right? There's the intuitive side and then there's the logical side. In a certain sense, you need both of them Uh, to function in writing. Uh, However, I can say that when I've spent a period of time in that analytic part of the brain, uh, you know, tending to matters, it can take me a day or two to make that swing over. Uh, When I find myself stymied and and I just really don't know how to proceed, um, then, you know, I, I on the spot Uh, just go into prayer. I go back to prayer. We should always be praying. uh, Any writer who is writing about the things of the Lord should be praying, should be very attentive to their life of prayer, which every baptized Catholic and Christian should be doing. We should all be praying routinely and regularly through the day. I know that that is what you do. Uh, But there are also those moments in the midst of of the day uh, when we're about a holy task, writing would be one of them where we just have to pull back and say, okay, father, I, I really don't know what you want of me. Please help me. Now, if we're, you know, in, in my case, sometimes I'm writing about very specific things, uh, with regard to the spiritual life. Um, so then maybe on that, in a, that particular moment, I will go and do a little research, you know, I'll go and, and, and look up, well, what do the saints that have have to say about this? What does the catechism have to say about this? And that moves me along. It just depends upon what you're writing. If you, you know, uh, a lot of people find it very, very helpful to have an outline. They prayerfully discern how this thing is supposed to go. They write out that outline and they follow through on it. I will do that for certain kinds of topics, even within a spiritual work, but I don't always do that. So it's very individual, this business called writing. The only thing I can tell you to do is to stick with it, to stick with it, to stick with it. Everybody gets what is classically known as writer's block, Uh, and it can last for a period of time. But if you're sitting there and being faithful to the call and mission, the Holy Spirit will show up. Don't give up on him. He's not giving up on you. Thanks, Ruth, and God bless you. Well, friends, there we are at the end of the program. Until we're together again, God bless you now. Bye.